Hello, friends. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Simply 127 Podcast. I'm excited for you to listen to the conversation today with Michelle Suffrage. Michelle is a great friend of mine, and she's also the Executive Director of Refugee Hope Partners. Refugee Hope Partners is an organization here in Raleigh that partners with local churches to minister to refugees and share the hope of the gospel. Michelle also shares about her family's journey through international adoption and how God used that time in her life as a catalyst to be, for her to begin ministering to refugees and immigrants here in Raleigh. So I hope that you'll listen intently. And there are actually a couple things I want you to listen specifically for that I'm going to mention at the end of our conversation. The first one is listen to God's activity as Michelle shares her story and through her journey. And then also listen to Michelle's response to God's activity. So without any further ado, thanks so much for coming on the show today, Michelle. And can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Sarah Beth. I'm really happy to be with you today. Um, my name's Michelle Suffrage. I'm the executive director and founder of Refugee Hope Partners. I am 55 years old, so <laughs> I am uh, in a later stage of life for sure than you are and have really followed a, a call that the Lord gave me about 20 years ago um, mm-hmm. when He started softening my heart toward vulnerable people in the world and opening my eyes to things around me, both here and around the world. I'm uh, a mom of five kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have kids 28 down to 15, so I'm still deep in the thick of parenting teenagers. <laughs> There's um, light at the end of the tunnel. There is, I hope. There's <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel. That's a, that's the hope for sure. God has been faithful through all of that. Uh, my background is technology. I was a programmer and computer trainer. Uh, that uh, embarked on the road to motherhood that ended up being bigger than I was expecting (laughs) with five children. But along the way, and specifically through the adoption of my youngest child, God changed my course. And that's how, Mm -hmm. that's where I am today. Great. And I do want to spend most of the time talking about Refugee Hope Partner, but I feel like at the same time, God was stirring your heart towards adoption, orphan care. Mm -hmm. So can you share a little bit about how you and your husband kind of reached this idea of like, this was something that was good for our family? Yeah. So we, um, my husband and I married young. We were actually 21. We were high school sweethearts and uh, went through um, the heartbreak of infertility uh, mm-hmm. after a few years of marriage, ended up losing four babies before oh, we had man. our oldest. I had two ectopic pregnancies that were very traumatic and two miscarriages and really thought we would never have biological children. Um, and so even from my mid-20s, uh, we had adoption literature in our home. God had stirred that in us that we were mm-hmm. uh, we were all for that and saw that as a, as a pathway um, that He was calling us on. And then we were blessed with having four children uh, biologically over the span of eight years. When my youngest was um, 10, <clears throat> the call to adopt had not uh, gone away. And so mm-hmm. my, I remember sitting with my husband and we were like, you know, if we're ever going to do this, this is crazy. We have four <laughs> children, but we should do this. And so it took a couple of years and there were some huge miracles that happened in that time financially for us that involved even a layoff and some shock of of financial insecurity that ended up um, that's a whole story unto itself. But <laughs> a different God podcast answered, episode. Yeah, a different <laughs> podcast ex- episode. But um, God answered 
so many prayers um, <clears throat> along the way. And, and it was really through that adoption process of going to uh, the country where my son was born and seeing uh, firsthand um, vulnerable children, orphaned children, street mm-hmm. children to such a degree that God used as the the beginning of what really blew my heart open uh, for orphan care and vulnerable Mm -hmm. people. And just to get an idea um, of the timeline, as God stirring your heart for adoption, orphan care in your family, was the refugee piece like laid over that or was there a gap in between the two or how does that look? There was a gap in between um, really the flight home from my son's birth country was very hard for me. And the months after that, I I left with a sense of, I think I went thinking this is the thing God called me to do, that I was obedient. And I and when we did it, and it was really just the beginning. Yeah, you couldn't just check it off the I list. Couldn't check it off the list, and I really struggled with what does it look like to be um, a white mom in a very suburban part of Raleigh, North Carolina, where people are busy with football and baseball and soccer mm-hmm. and basketball and ballet, and we did Irish dance like we were doing <laughs> it all. And I think trying to create kind of this perfect. Family. I don't think I realized it then, but the the altar of being the perfect mom, the perfect family, mm-hmm. creating an ideal situation for my kids, had really become a burden to me. And so God was breaking that stronghold, and I didn't know. Like, do we go back? Do we adopt another child? Do we adopt a sibling group? Do we go there and open an orphanage? Do we adopt all mm-hmm. the children? Like, I was really struggling with that. And within about a year and a half of that time, really struggling with what God was calling me to, we had a refugee family walk up the hill to our church one (laughs) Sunday morning, and that's when those two pieces um, started to connect. So you were home adjusting to a family of five, and then God opens this other door for you. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And overwhelmed, honestly, in the... In the mire of having five children and all that, mm-hmm. you know, we were even having some challenges um, with one of our kids in particular and some struggles. And it was um, it was hard to think about, okay, well, my heart was so pulled. I remember even my heart beating fast and mm-hmm. trying not to turn around and look at them in church. Uh, similar almost to the call when in ninth grade, I was at a summer camp and God pierced through my heart and mm-hmm. I just couldn't. I couldn't avoid his call. <laughs> it was very similar yeah. experience. And I set up. I knew I wanted to get involved. I was really afraid. I was still kind of trying to create this, like, perfect, calm, you know, academic, socially challenging families, you know, sheltered mm-hmm. a little bit, just trying to keep everything uh, comfortable for everyone. And I was really afraid um, to get involved. And so in the beginning, I my one toe in the water was that that one family soon became five, soon became 10, soon became 15 families all arriving with one bag that they brought with them uh, through the resettlement mm-hmm. process. And it's so funny to look back at now because we do nothing like this uh, through Refugee Hope Partners and our church. We had done this for a really long time, but we had a clothing closet because people were coming and they needed clothes. Mm-hmm. And I said I would work one hour 
on Sunday during Sunday school when my kids were being cared for, and that would be my involvement <laughs> in this ministry. So but God I, had a different plan. But God had a different plan. And as I got to know the families and, um, you know, spent time in their homes and um, even just at church, you know, learning learning the kids' names and getting to know mm-hmm. them, I think it was probably about a year later that the academic part of what kids were facing really struck me at how hard that was for them to mm-hmm. be plopped down in a school, different yeah. culture, no language, have to swim from the very beginning with there was help, but it was they were struggling and my heart was really pulled toward that with yeah. the kids. I feel like a lot of people get to that point of the situation of, oh, I want to do something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give an hour. How did that turn into 13 years later? <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> um, really, I would answer that question in just saying God's faithfulness. Like mm-hmm. From the beginning of this ministry, when something would be obvious, like this is a need, this is something where... Um, you know, we could come alongside these families and ease the burden of this time. It would be almost like immediately when the idea, the thought would occur, someone would come up to me and say, hey, have you thought about, I've been kind of thinking about this, have you thought about this? And I was like, yeah, I have been, and <laughs> you want to you wanna do that together? And so many examples, like I wish I had kept a journal of all the ones in the beginning of where I had a question about something or someone needed a paper, or there was a bill that someone was confused about. I would call to get some clarity for them because they weren't able to make that phone call mm-hmm. with the language that they had. And the person I needed to talk to picked up and the form that they needed was on the desk and the person that needed to sign that form was right there. And things that would normally take me and my normal life hours were happening Mm -hmm. in minutes. And it happened over and over and over that God was opening doors before I got to that door, even knew of that door. And not only was He opening the door, but there were people there waiting to go through that door. Mm-hmm. And I've just come to, I've just come to expect it. I've seen his hand move in that direction yeah. over and over. Can you just talk about what Refugee Hope Partners is, what you guys do like today as, as an established organization? Yeah. So Refugee Hope Partners, our uh, mission is to love our refugee neighbors with the hope of the gospel and partnership with the local church. Uh, We exist to engage, equip, and encourage with the hope that all may thrive. Uh, We want to—we chose the word partner very uh, strategically. Mm -hmm. It was a really important word to me because we want to partner with refugee families. We don't want to uh, direct them. We don't want to— tell them how they need to live their lives. We want to partner with them as they figure out this crazy world that they have come to Mm -hmm. from a really different place. We also want to partner with churches. We want to equip and mobilize the church uh, to move toward refugee families, to move toward the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every state in the U.S. has many refugees that are living there. We wanted to see that the church be the mechanism that we moved 
Um, and so we serve the community. Really, our, it's pretty simple. We just live life as neighbors and friends. But as you become neighbors and friends with people, you become aware of areas where they're struggling. Mm-hmm. And we've built programs around the ways that we've seen families struggle. Uh, we have a lot of academic helps on site. Mm-hmm. We have tutoring and mentoring and and take kids on college visits and talk about careers. We have an ESL program for women. We have an early learning club for littles. Um, we have um, lots of on-site Bible studies that meet. We want to meet the, you know, we want to be there. We want to share Christ with families. We have families coming from all over the world from many different uh, religions. And so we have a platform of education Um you kind of just saw a need, found some people who could help meet the need, and then started a program to yes. support that. <laughs> 100% organic development. We mm-hmm. never, like, said, we, we're going to start this program. I wonder if there's interest. We knew before the mm-hmm. program started that it was a need. A great example of that is our medical ministry, which has really flourished outside of anything that any of us have done to make that happen. And it's from a friend of mine, Rebecca, who was a nurse. Um, Her license had lab. She was a mom and busy, Mm -hmm. deep in, in parenting. And she had helped some families. She started as a homework help volunteer, kind of as I started with my one clothing closet hour. (laughs) And she came to me and said, hey, I think we can do better. And I think I can get people to come along behind this. And within a couple of years, this last year, we have coordinated over 270 medical appointments since January 1, uh, 80 of those since COVID hit. Um, transportation, translation, you know, just meeting with people that have never really had medical care and finding out about issues that they were having. But Mm -hmm. God's just done that again and again. That's awesome. We have several similarities and just like taking small steps of obedience and it Mm -hmm. led down a path you probably wouldn't have chosen Mm -hmm. or predicted. Um, So a lot of our listeners are just kind of putting that first toe in that you kind of gave that example. So what would be some wisdom, encouragement that you would give to someone who is where you were the hour of Sunday school you were giving up for what you felt like God was calling you to do? I would say pray um, for sure. Like I've, I try to have really open hands and things can feel really overwhelming at times when you see something that is greatly needed and it feels like an enormous amount of effort and work and time Um, Mm -hmm. that's going to be involved. I try to lay things down at the feet of the Lord and ask Him to provide what is needed if that is something that He wants to see happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think also noticing when God is moving, trying to have open eyes to see His hand in things instead of Wow, that was such a nice person that answered the call that had that form that had the person to sign it. That was just what you needed. That was, yeah. But to see that as like an answer to prayer that really wasn't even prayed, but God's provision for Mm -hmm. that moment. I think another thing like me, I'm not calling you ignorant, but I say myself, I'm just, I was ignorance on Mm -hmm. fire 12 years ago. And so I know you've kind of joined in with other ministries. I've talked about Mission Triangle on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. So I'd love just to hear how that network and community has kind of helped you steer your passion in, in the right direction over the last few years. Well, it's been critical in a lot of ways. I mean, my heart has been all in, um, 
to refugee ministry for a really long time because it has been so organic in growth. It's grown slowly over and not so slow at times over a long (laughs) period of time. I had no background in nonprofit management or Mm -hmm. all the business aspects of nonprofit uh, work. Super comfortable sitting on the floor uh, of a refugee family's home and having tea and wherever (laughs) that leads and just following that leading. But the structure of what is required to run a healthy nonprofit was a really steep learning curve for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Although my ministry and the refugee world started 13 years ago as a as a nonprofit refugee hope partners has only existed for a little bit over 2 years and we already had you know a lot of ministry under our belt and a pretty good sized staff so mm-hmm. you know you hear the expression building a plane as it's taking off i felt like <laughs> our plane was 30 feet off the ground 30,000 feet off the ground yeah. and we were putting it together so they were provided the, the information that I needed, the training that I needed, the support that I needed, mm-hmm. the shoulder to cry on <laughs> when I needed it, and not just them as an organization, Mission Triangle, but even Sarah Beth and <laughs> 127 Worldwide and other ministries that are involved in that in that cohort of, of nonprofits. Mm-hmm. It's been super helpful to me as I've struggled with various things and you know, at times, you know, it's felt it's felt as it's felt more overwhelming to me, a thousand times over this organizational part of running mm-hmm. the ministry. You'd rather be sitting actual, in the floor drinking I, a tea. A lot of times, I would rather be. Yeah, I would say yeah. all the time, I would rather be sitting on the floor drinking tea. Yeah, I know our friend Cindy was on the um, the podcast as well, and just talking about. The collaboration, the not competition, like I know we've sent each other grants we should apply for and things like that. And I think that is such a rare, it shouldn't be rare, but I think it is rare in our field to be like, really feel like people are for you and cheering with you and celebrating. Mission Triangle doesn't get all the credit for that, but I feel like they facilitate a place where we can cheer each other on. They have facilitated that and I think have really laid that as a vision you know, mm-hmm. we want to see you guys doing this, you know. Yeah. There are abundant resources. You don't have to live in fear that someone else is going to steal those resources. Yeah. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I know the, since March, things have been a little extra crazy for you. I'm just thinking through refugee ministry in the midst of a pandemic. Can you just talk a little bit about how your life has looked different <laughs> in the last six months? I mean, I think life looks really different. We, uh, our primary focus is an apartment complex in Raleigh and has close to 150 units. We have been used to running really large programs. Our largest program is probably our homework help program and not unusual at all for us to run in an afternoon into early evening 150 people through that Not six feet apart. (laughs) Not six feet apart, crammed into a, you know, a community center. Mm -hmm. Um, so COVID, we had no notice that it was yeah. coming. And even like looking back on my calendar, the couple of days before, I think that schools closed, I think kind of knew things were escalating, but not to that level. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're on lockdown. Um, you know, we, we really struggled in the mm-hmm. beginning of, of how we knew we couldn't, we, we knew people were going to start 
losing jobs, and that happened. And mm-hmm. we knew people were going to get sick, and that happened. And we knew that kids were going to be confused about school, and that happened. And we knew kids would struggle with getting online for their mm-hmm. um, remote instruction, and that happened. And so we did, for a couple of weeks, um, provide some like temporary uh, benevolent support in our community. We knew food was going to be an issue. Most of our kids are free and reduced lunch uh, kids, mm-hmm. and they weren't going to be getting that at school. With parents losing jobs, we saw food insecurity as being a, a big issue. So we we mobilized immediately, made a call to local churches who responded, and within uh, really I think two days of schools closing, we were providing food in the mm-hmm. community box of supplemental food to over 150 families. I think that first round, it was like 175 Mm -hmm. boxes of food that we collected. Uh, After a week of doing that, of collecting boxes and then distributing them, we were exhausted (laughs) and we knew we couldn't keep that up. And so we reached out to churches, Sunday school classes, small groups who sponsored individual families for 12 weeks, providing supplemental food and learning activities for kids because they were out of school. Mm -hmm. And um, so once that was set up, that kind of ran without us and we were able to get the stories back of people's engagement with families. It was really beautiful. I'd love just to know how can people get engaged if they want more information, if they want to know how to pray specifically, if they want to give, if they want to volunteer, how can they, what are your needs and how can people help you? We have a lot of needs. (laughs) Um, Our website is www.refugee, with two E's on the end, hopepartners.org. We'll put Um, that in the show notes so people can see it. Um, we do have a monthly prayer right now. It's over Zoom, so it doesn't matter. Location doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. I would really like to continue that Zoom format because I feel like we've had more engagement and it's been really sweet. And there are people yeah. that live other places that, you know, yeah. are excited. Us Kentucky girls for, have people who want to pray right, for us. <laughs> for refugees everywhere because um, the needs yeah. are similar. Um, so that that is on our website. We have that every month. Wow, what an incredible lady, an incredible ministry. I hope that you've been blessed by listening to this conversation as much as I was by being a part of this conversation. I've actually been able to visit Refugee Hope Partners a couple of times over the last few months, and I've just been amazed at Michelle and her team, their ability to roll with the punches, to be flexible, um, to be diligent, to stay on top of all the regulations, what each child needs in different schools. And it's really crazy, all the things that they're juggling right now. And they've just continued to remain faithful, to serve tirelessly. And it's just been so fun to watch how God is using this ministry um, in Raleigh right now. So thanks so much for listening. Um If you'll remember at the beginning of the conversation, I asked for you to listen for two specific things, Um, one being God's activity through Michelle's story and another being Michelle's response. And if you'll remember in season two, we're talking about gospel intentionality as we care for the vulnerable. And I just thought it was fascinating to me. Now, you might have jotted down some different notes, but I just wrote down a couple of things. Um, First, on, on God's activity, I just wrote down God's pursuit God's invitation and God's faithfulness. I know Michelle actually mentioned that word for word, God's faithfulness. 
um, through calling her to just stirring in her heart and calling her to minister to refugees in this way. And then also we were able to see Michelle, we talked about just taking steps of obedience. Um, She mentioned evaluating priorities in her own life and things that she was um, prioritizing in her family. Um, And then eventually just her responding to this pursuit and God's invitation. And so I love um, the theological nerdy word (laughs) is sanctification. Just this process that as we, um, God gives us opportunity to to work with vulnerable. And at the same time, he's also working in us so that we look more like Christ through the process. So I just thought this was a a beautiful picture of that. Um, Michelle's testimony is a beautiful um, testimony of God's faithfulness. And as as we've said, we want you to be encouraged. We want you to see perhaps the same activity in your own life, you know, that you can point to times in your life when God has pursued and God has invited you to be a part of something. And obviously in God's faithfulness, hopefully as believers, we all have testimony (laughs) to these things. But we just want you to be a little bit more aware, maybe attuned to, um, to God's activity as he is, we believe, stirring in some of your hearts to get more involved and to, to do more to care for the vulnerable. So um, hope that you are enjoying these um, conversations. We're hoping to continue, as I've said um, in the past, with uh, every other week kind of having that rhythm. And we're just having fun with the content. As always, we'd love for you to reach out if you have any questions. Check out the show notes if you want to learn more about Refugee Hope Partners. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.